podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I am joined by Stephen Mullen, President of St Rocks. Stevie, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me Paul, pleasure to be here. It's always great to have you and um, it's a big match day today. European night at Celtic Park, under the lights but with no fans. Uh, the Green Brigade have got the banner there, Stevie. Uh, you were here last week, we've played, obviously since then we've played Aberdeen. Uh, what was your thoughts at the weekend? Really, really enjoyed it. After Thursday night's game, I was looking forward to the game on Sunday and I don't think Celtic disappointed us. I thought, again, another brave selection, Benil, Bain, Frimpong, Duffy, Beaton, Laxalt, Brown, Calmat, Christie, Roger, Elenus and Eddie. For the first couple of minutes, I didn't think we had lined up as what we did against Leo. I thought Ryan Christie was playing more in a number 10 role. Mm. And I thought for that first five minutes... Frimpong got exposed a wee bit against the guy Kennedy. They put in two dangerous cross, but full credit to Neil Lennon's backroom staff. They changed that very, very early in the game. And then Christie went back more and gave him a wee bit more defensive cover, but very, very comfortable. I thought we played particularly well in the first half. There maybe a wee bit of fatigue came in the second half, but we've seen the game out excellently. I thought Celtic were brilliant. If I was an Aberdeen fan, which I thank God I'm no. I thought Derek McKinnon should have been slaughtered. He had a full week to prepare for that game. He took the most effective player, Lewis Ferguson, out of the game, patrol in front of the back four, and he just became totally ineffective, apart from a few assaults on Celtic players. Mm. Which he got away with. You yep. know, this this is a disappointment, and I don't want to focus on the, the poor refereeing, but it was another... Um, Example of that, Stevie. It's, we seem to be saying it with more regularity than ever this season. Um, it was a poor refereeing display. Uh, I, when I was looking at that game uh, on the back of the, the Lille performance, um, there was certainly a lot to be positive about. And I'm going into tonight's game with that positivity. How, how are you feeling uh, tonight? Do you think Neil Lennon will make minimal changes for the, the lineup this evening? I think, again, you, you know, because of the run of game and the squad. I think he's quite a, a fortunate position to ask who's willing, who's want to play, who's injured, and make his decisions based on that. But whatever team turns up on tonight for Celtic, if they show the attitude to match their ability, then I think Celtic should be able to win the game tonight. Uh, a game which then puts you in a fantastic position the next time you play them. You know, mm. where by the time you come across Lille again, you could be above them in this table. I'm more than happy with how Celtic have gone. I think from the half time in the AC Milan game, you know, when we took Welsh and Griffiths off and replaced them with Christie and Elanusi, I think our season has improved performance wise since then. I'm looking at yesterday, we were looking at Elanusi's performances. I mean, um, his, his performances have been uh, discussed many times on a Celtic state of mind, Stevie, because I think, I, you know, I am a big fan. I've seen in him, uh, certainly in his, his early months at Celtic last season, uh, a real quality. But then he, he certainly did go off the boil. And this season, I don't think he started that well, which led to the, 
the discussion on here about what is his best position. Um, I mean, in the last few games, we have seen the real El Yunusi, I think, and he's crafting a, a good partnership out with Diego Laxalt playing in behind him. I think that would support anybody's anybody's game having him behind you. How impressed have you been with El Yunusi over the, over the last couple of games? But it's something we'd spoke about earlier in the season when the team seemed to be getting rotated regularly. Mm. You're not allowed to build up a partnership with a guy playing directly behind you or at the side of you or as a partnership as forwards. You need to be able to complement the guy that you're forming a partnership with. So there's never been a doubt about Elinus's skill. I think everybody would agree he's a very skillful player. So some people were questioning his work rate. You mm. can't question that in the last couple of games. No. He's worked tirelessly for the benefit of the team. Now, if he feels more comfortable than the guy playing behind him and he knows when to give and go and when to cover it, 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 it works. You know, previous to that, it looked as if we had 10 individuals playing for Celtic. Since the, the AC Milan game and Lenny coming out biting at people in the press conference, the club seems to have gelled, mm-hmm. you know, and the whole club can only function if we're all in it together. And it's no one to be a cliche, keep the faith in that, but we all need to be in this together. We're all in the same crusade to get 10 in a row. Well, there's no doubt about it. There's absolutely no doubt about that, Stevie. Um, we, our objective is the same. The collective objective is, is certainly the same. When you see Neil Lennon coming out, as you say, fighting in the press conferences, and then on the touchline, because we mentioned it last Thursday night, didn't we? The actual performance of Neil Lennon during that game. Do you think he responds um, better when he's under siege? I don't think Neil Lennon, the player, and I was fortunate enough to probably see every game Neil Lennon played for Celtic. Neil Lennon, the player, wouldn't have accepted some of the performances this season from his teammates. Mm-hmm. Now he's the manager, and I certainly don't know what happens behind the scenes. But from last week for that press conference to now, even on Sunday, it was great for me to see John Kennedy standing in the technical area and Neil Lennon running up and down the stairs to tell him what he wanted to do. That's what I'm looking for in my management team. No sitting back and wait for things to develop because if they don't develop, it's too late to change them. I was absolutely delighted with excuse me, how everything's went over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, based on uh, Sunday's performance, I was watching Neil Lennon's press conference yesterday where he tackled quite a few different subjects. Stevie, we'll run through some of them today, speaking about, first of all, Scott being in goals. Um, I mean, from what Neil Lennon said, it would appear that, that Bain's a starter tonight, and quite rightly so. I have a different opinion on that. Say I don't think Scott Bain's done much wrong, but if Barkas is to be the number two to Scott Bain, then Barkas should not ever be considered to be the number one then, and he should be sold immediately or as soon as the transfer window opens. Because if he can't displace Scott Bain at four and a half million pound, then I don't think he's worthy to be the Celtic number one. The looking at the the comment by Lenny, it was um, that there was no reason to change it uh, in terms of the goalkeeper tonight. Your number one, presumably, is Barkas coming in with a price tag like that, Stevie. So um, as soon as he's fit, you you would put him right back in. But Barkas is there and he signed as a number one. Yep. And I heard a lot of the guys the other week saying Craig Gordon should have stayed. So Scott Bain would have been number three. Mm. Craig Gordon's allowed to leave. Barkas isn't getting a game. Scott Bain's went for three to one. I, I don't think if we've spent that amount of money on a goalkeeper that he should be behind Scott Bain. I wouldn't have expected that, uh, personally. And I think that some of the criticism Barkas has um, come in for since he since he arrived at Celtic Park has been um, unjustified, I think. Now, obviously when things weren't going well, Stevie, quite a few players were being singled out for abuse or criticism, I would say. Barkas being one of them. Um, another player who was in the firing line for criticism was Shane Duffy. And we're now looking at Shane Duffy um, partnering probably near Beaton tonight, I would guess. Uh, Colin Watt suggested that Ayer's still out for this evening's game. Uh, Neil Lennon didn't mention Ayer in actual fact. He did speak about some of the other injured players that we've got. Would you start with Duffy and Beaton in the centre defence this evening? I, I, I would. I thought the really interesting comment earlier the week was, again, somebody you know how high I, I hold him in esteem in Martin O'Neill. Speaking about Shane Duffy, 
when he played for the Republic of Ireland when he was in charge, that if even if the Republic of Ireland had won and Shane Duffy made a mistake, it really worried them and mm. got them down. Well, they had to spend a lot of time, him and Roy Keane, getting Shane Duffy back up where he didn't allow a simple mistake to affect the rest of his performance, right. which I found really, really surprising mm-hmm. because you see the stature of the man and right away you think, oh, he'll just shrug that off. But he actually found it quite difficult where it was starting to get into his psyche. He was really worrying about these things. Mm. So maybe a couple of wee mistakes he's made for Celtic have manifested itself into where it's a problem for him. But tonight, him and Beatle would start for me. I find that really interesting, actually, because you look at Duffy, like you say, the stature, but the fact he's a leader, he's a captain, he's a, an international captain, uh, that you'd be able to, to manage that uh, because everybody's going to make mistakes on the football field. Uh, but I like to that, Stevie, is his love and desire uh, of Celtic Football Club uh, and trying to attain the 10 as well, because obviously it's important to anyone who's being employed by the club to, to achieve that goal. But I think there's a wee bit extra when you're a lifelong Celtic fan, surely. So it, has it been affecting him? Do you think he's over that in the last, certainly in the last couple of games? I hope so. I, I think he's done okay the last couple of games. You know, everybody will make a mistake. M- my curiosity and how I'm intrigued by it is what happens when Julie ends fit, mm. El Hamid's fit? Do we then revert back to a three and where do they play? Or is the four going to suit? I, I think we could chop and change depending on the game and the opposition, when we've got everybody fit and ready to go at. The four seems to be working better just now, but I don't know if that is because we were trying to manufacture three players to play together, but it was never going to work. It's, it did certainly look, like, look that way. Um, it's an interesting dilemma to have for Lenny once Julian comes back, and he did comment that Julian would be back after the international break. Um, it gives us Beton, El Hamid, Julian, Ayer and Duffy to choose from. But well, of course we've got our two fullbacks, and Frimpong had been in the news as well. Something that Lenny uh, touched on with regards to the headlines around Jeremy Frimpong, which we spoke about yesterday. They were just scandalous headlines, Stevie. The usual um, job by some of the tabloid press, and it was unfair on Frimpong. Does he start for you tonight? Yep, he would start for me, but he wouldn't be in the positions he's employed the last couple of games. Mm-hmm. I would have him one up. I would bring El Hamid back in at right back tonight yep. and play Frimpong in front of him. I thought Frimpong's been very, very good the last two games. Aye, I, I mean... What I've seen the difference, Paul, was I said last week, I would have wanted him to do what Didi Agat done and put the ball into dangerous areas. Mm. Instead, he always tried to be precise and I thought he'd done a few, that a few times on Sunday. You know, obviously the guys didn't get an end, but that's them not doing their job. But he put some fantastic balls into dangerous areas on Sunday. I think you were right in that uh, assertion because he's a, a step ahead, isn't he? With the pace of him. And he gets himself into that position. So, like what O'Neill, going back to Martin O'Neill, uh, said to a guy, just put it into the space. And it's down to uh, the plethora of creative and forward players that we've got to get on the end of it. So, Elhamid comes back in for you. He's a player that I think is cool. Um, and at that level, I know there was the, the error against Ferenc Varos, but normally you can rely on Elhamid. And it will be good to see him coming back into the side as well. Um, how impressed were you with uh, Lax Holt's performance? I know you were here for the European game where he was outstanding. I think he's going to be one of our top performers this season. I, I think he's a, a great wee player. You know, and there doesn't seem to be any fuss with him. You know, he just goes up bombs up and down the touchline a couple of times this Saturday or Sunday, sorry, when the ball went out of play, you know, and he thought it was going to be his. He just put it down and got back into position. There wasn't any hysterionics. There wasn't any dramas. He just played, looks like one of the guys, and I've never met him, so I don't know anything about him. He just looks as if he's one of the guys who just likes playing football. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's any possibility, because he started off so well, Stevie, people are looking at what would it take to bring him in on a permanent basis. He's 27 years of age, Uruguay International, parent club AC Milan. Um, Do you think there's a possibility of a permanent deal? Is he the type of guy we would try and bring in? Um, And if so, what kind of price tag are we looking at? I think well, we have a real dilemma. If we get 10 in a row, and God willing we do, then we will. Mm-hmm. If we don't succeed in getting 10 in a row, our whole club's going to downsize. The season ticket holders won't go back in the mount they went back this year. There's no DVDs for nine, we nearly got 10. There's no merchandise. The guys will have to be sold, but they'll be sold at not the prices we expected during that summer transfer window. The 10 for Celtic is vital 
to continue the, the business model that we have at club. If we get that, then Laxall fits that model. I heard you speaking yesterday to Colin, and you were saying about four and a half million pound, and but he's worth more than that. Well, that's not what he's worth. Of that's what you're going to pay for him. Mm. If he develops the way he is and plays as well as what he does for Celtic, especially in the European games where he created a European record last week, as if I'm correct, then his price will go up, and you'll get other clubs interested in him. Oh, definitely. I don't, I don't think we have the first option to buy on that Sloan deal. So if he maintains that level then other clubs would be interested in buying them. Yeah, th- this is the the bit of the dilemma, um, even with the likes of El Yunusi, whose performances uh, were raised with the Southampton manager during the week, and he was talking about perhaps El Yunusi coming back and playing a part in the future uh, with South- Southampton. So it is a double-edged sword. Um, it would be great if this type of player uh, came to Celtic permanently, because I think it is a a step up in class when you look at Black Salt when you bring him in the the impact that he's had and what how many games is it he's had now four four games five and five games yeah. and his first uh, win under his belt so um, yes I think the Celtic fans have taken it him in a big way now talking of the Celtic fans once again big European night under the lights Stevie we're not going to be there we'll be watching it in the studio uh, but it was great to see the Green Brigade had. Um, somehow managed to access, obviously, via the club to get their banner up. That was good to see. The fa- fantastic group of young men. You know, they, they go and they do all the food banks, the collections. That they, they, they get a bad press, but they're nowhere near as bad as what they've got. They've, I think they've got quite a, a reasonable relationship with Celtic. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes there'll be boundaries that cross over and the club will take action. But predominantly they're good. But it's sad being about Celtic Park just now. See, when you get down yesterday and or the big lorries and that, and they're all getting set for a big European Aye. night, the TV yep. cameras are there, <laughs> but the only people that won't will be us. You know, know. It, it's it's sad that we're in this situation, and I don't think we, we need to be. I, I think there should be some fans allowed to go to the games. I, I can't get my head around, and I'm no dismissing COVID, I know how dangerous it's been, I know people it's affected by it, I know people who have it just now, but if there's a safe environment for fans to go back, I think open air spaces like Celtic Park. And I don't mean Celtic. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 60,000, but even 10,000 in the night. You know, social distancing. I'm sure the club would put all the protocols in place and it's not unreasonable to get that amount of fans back. There needs to come a point, Stevie, where uh, you can see progress. You know, th- this is a big thing. I, th- I think a lot of the frustrations coming through uh, the the apparent lack of progress, you know, it's as if everything's just standing still just now. And I'm not just talking about football, just day-to-day life uh, with that constant threat uh, hanging over you of another lockdown and how that's going to affect people and uh, finances and business and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, people sometimes underestimate the power of football and the power of the community that you get from the football, Stevie. It's so important to so many people during these times. And again, I always... Um, where possible, uh, use any uh, opportunities to to raise awareness of the group um, that has been set up at St Rock's for some time now, Rock Talk. So again, for anyone who's tuned in today who's not heard about Rock Talk, could you just remind us uh, the good work that's happening at the Rock? We started a group called Rock Talk maybe about 18 months ago now. And it's basically just a talking group for people on a Sunday morning from 11am to 1pm. Well, we just come, we sit with a wee rolling sausage, a cup of tea or a coffee, and we talk about the week, and then we see if the guys are having any problems, what we can help them with. When the pandemic started and the lockdown, and after the sort of initial real strictness of it, and it started getting relaxed, we opened up the club, and uh, the two worlds collided. We've had some fantastic work done by the guys who come, but they get a great release being able to come to the park. Mm. And, and they just didn't have social isolation through that time but we've now got a player young Aaron Conley who 
delighted for him, him and his wife are going to be baby girls shortly, I was expecting twins. But how people can be cruel. We played a game last week, it was our first competitive game in the seniors, which we won 2 0. Somebody had a go at him during the game about his mental health state. Now, Aaron's been brave enough to go on various media platforms and explain it, but somebody had a go at him last week about that. You know, what despicable things go through your head that you would have a go at a young man who's brave enough to tell you his trials and tribulations to bring it into a football match. God help us, you know. The guy who'd done that must be a really horrible, twisted individual. That's totally unacceptable. I've seen uh, Aaron commenting about that on Twitter, actually, Stevie, so it's shocking, you know, and I think that the awareness levels are at their highest at the moment. You know, we're, we've come, you know, we've progressed leaps and bounds, Stevie, over the, over the piece if you think about the awareness of mental health issues even 10 years ago. Um, and to hear that this still goes on, and it goes on in a place where people are actually witnessing that, Stevie. You know, it's not as though you, the guy's doing it in secret. It's during a game of football. Um, and as you say, Aaron's been brave enough. And he, he's constantly trying to raise awareness of uh, time to tackle mental health. And um, to hear that, it's really, really sad. So hopefully Aaron's doing okay. But it, it, again, I think it's important to highlight that it's happened. Ah, you say, we weren't aware of it during the game. We, we first became aware of it after the game when it went on Twitter mm-hmm. that that was the first time Aaron had spoke it he just took it in during the game you know and then obviously it must have been affecting him a wee bit at night that he put it out but uh, again what sort of horrible individual would actually say that you know during the game of football that that should be the furthest thing you mean you either want your team to win mm-hmm. or put in a tackle you know or sp- even if you're getting angry game smash him or something but you don't bring something like that no. into it it's a despicable thing it's horrendous Stevie um, now you've given us your your uh, Backline so far. What's the rest of your team for tonight? What's your predictions for the team line? Right, so my, my team for tonight would be Barkas and Goal, Elhamid, Duffy, Beaton, Laxalt, Frimpong, Brown, Calmack, and Elenusi, Christie, and Ayeti. Ayeti up front. Yep. Now, that again, it's one of these things when you've got, you know, four fit strikers now. Eddie, Clamala, Griffiths and Ayeti. It's it's a great dilemma for Neil Lennon to have, that's for sure. Uh, I think Ayeti brings something entirely different to any of the other three players. Uh, I've been really impressed with him because everybody's talking about him being this Gary Hooper kind of box type striker with that instinct to score goals in the box. I see a lot of the, the, his best play outside the box, Stevie. I, I would start him. I, I think Eddie's your number one centre by a, a country mile. He gave us 70 minutes at the weekend. Mm. You know, and I don't think there's any reason to, to risk anything. You know, the young man's coming back from a serious illness. You know, if there's any fatigue, keep him for Sunday. To, to me, I would love to win tonight, but Sunday's more important for me. We can't afford to drop any more points behind. Maybe some of the other clubs will get games cancelled now because of the mm. COVID-19 restrictions, which we were slotted for. So and that would allow us to catch up the points in the games in hand. Well... I have got it on the agenda because we did speak about it in depth yesterday, Stevie, on the broadcast, uh, but that was followed up, obviously, by uh, Neil Lennon himself commenting on it. Before we do chat about it, um, let's have a look at some of the the points coming through. Now, I was aware yesterday there was more than usual um, people on the the forum side of the the broadcast, Stevie, uh, who were basically just into agitate Celtic supporters, so... Uh, on a live basis, we are monitoring that. They are being blocked and they're being blocked after the event as well. As of Monday next week, we have someone in um, a state of mind who will be dealing with all manner of things and monitoring this broadcast will be one of them. So you can rest assured, anyone who's coming in and trying to agitate Celtic supporters who are here for some chat, Stevie, for uh, their daily intake of Celtic uh, discussion. You can continue to enjoy that. We have something in place on Monday. In the meantime, I will try and block them live. Now, Stevie Forbes, Stephen Forbes, considering the headline of yesterday's Axon Bulletin, it was good to read Lennon responding to the Scottish Government's inconsistent responses to COVID breaches. But we expect more double standards. Now, it was interesting, and I'm not sure if Lenny or Celtic tune into the broadcast, Stevie, because we were questioning when will Celtic speak out on this. It was great to hear Lenny being pretty honest and pretty blunt about the whole situation yesterday. I I think Neil will always speak his mind, and it's something we need to admire him from. Should the club make an official statement? 
I, I prefer sometimes to do the work behind the scenes. Mm. And I've no doubt that Celtic will be engaging with the government and the football authorities to see what their thoughts on us because we can't be held to a different set of standards than anybody else. And again, it's been great to see the cheerleaders who wanted Celtic suspended and points taken of us. They've disappeared, i.e. Gordon Smith and Chris Boyd. Yeah. The, the, the one that... But ball and golly is the one that's been compared. I, I think it's the one that maybe we should compare it with would be the Lee Griffiths thing. Mm-hmm. When Lee Griffiths had a party for his girlfriend and some of her friends were there. We're, we're, we're led to believe and expected to believe that Scott Arfield had a party in his house. The company who set up the balloons knew if they set up a balloon for a man in his own house that he didn't attend and nobody else attended, and I think that's really strange behaviour, that he didn't turn up at his own birthday party. Exactly. You know, that that for me is strange. So that there's more to this story than meets the eye and what's been reported. I think some of the other things that was thrown out about young Jeremy Frimpong was the flexive targets. But that there's more to this and everybody should be held to the same protocols. I think the spokesman for the Scottish Government who commended Rangers on their quick action and how they dealt with it, I think it's an absolute disgrace. And I would like to find out, I've seen Tom English, you know, why would Celtic fans win? If this is the first yellow card, what's going to happen? What's that got to do with us? The standards are there. The precedent's been set. Celtic and Aberdeen suffered. St Mirren have had to get games postponed. So it's Kilmarnock. What is the difference? I cannot tell you that. So the comment you're referring to there, I did see that, Stevie. And if I understand that right, that's let's just leave it just yep. in case everybody suffers. So no, Celtic have been punished, but let's leave it this time just in case the yellow card becomes a red card and football shut down. Well, it goes back to the thing in 2012 it, when some people try to tell you it's too big an institution to put down into the third division. Mm. But you need to abide by the rules. Absolutely. You know, and if they've set the rules, then everybody needs to go with it. I think Lennon came out, you know, and he has over the last couple of weeks actually, and he's been pretty bold and um, forthright in his statements. He said, what I can comment on is the reaction from the government, which I find bewildering. Uh, there seems to be double standards. We were thrown under a bus, and it's unacceptable. Got to agree with every single word Lenny said yesterday. Well, if Neil's your leader, and that's who we want to, to lead the club going forward, then I would rather he took the opportunities to do it. You know, if you go back again, when Martin O'Neill spoke at a European press conference, about the racist abuse that Neil Lennon suffered. Yep. And the whole room was aghast because they were there to talk about a game. What a brilliant platform to get your message out. Neil, Le- Neil Lennon is doing a European press conference and he's bringing up inadequacies in the SNP government of this. The football authorities have disappeared again, which is no surprise. But the SNP's got something to say about everything. Let's hear what they've got to say about this. It's a good point, Stevie. I mean, if Celtic were to release a statement and it pops up on everybody's social media, and you can go and read the statement in full on the club's website, it probably gets what you would describe uh, on a European level as a regionalised traction. Probably, you know, you, you know, your tabloids would pick up on it and report on it, and that would spread through uh, the sports stories. But using the opportunity of a Europa League press conference where, you know, there's a, a far greater um, media presence from outside of Scotland... It's probably quite a good way of getting that message across. And we're continually told that politics and football don't mix or can't mix. Um, but when it suits them, they do mix, don't they? I think Celtic have got to be political. Mm. Absolutely got to be political. And I mean, from the higher echelons to the fans, to the players, we have political beliefs and thoughts that we shouldn't hide away from. You know, we won't all agree on everything. You know, SNP, independence, great. The Labour Party, Socialist Party, we should be open to it all. We, we should believe it. But if there's a point to be made, let's make it through a football club. Now, IH Decorating, um, welcome back to the show. You're commenting on YouTube. And for anyone who's watching the broadcast on YouTube, make sure that you do uh, subscribe on there because we're broadcasting on a daily basis and um, sometimes... Uh, multi-times on a match day so tonight Stevie will be covering the game uh, half an hour before the match at half time and half an hour after 
win, lose or draw, we're there uh, straight after the game uh, broadcasting. Sometimes it's no easy, Steve. It's been <laughs> pretty difficult a few times this season, but we do it and we always will do it. And I is decorating uh, comment. Can't take anything for granted tonight. Look how difficult the Czech B-side made it against Scotland. Sparta will still be fielding a capable side. I think there's six or seven out, isn't there, on the old uh, the COVID casualty list. So Neil Lennon took that on board also. But I don't think anyone will take it for granted tonight, Stevie. Um, even though we've got the home advantage, even without the fans, I still think it's an advantage. How do you see tonight going? I, I think we'll win 2-0. Again, it's all if we can maintain the momentum that we've gained over the last couple of games and put in that level of performance, then I expect us to win. If Slavia Prague, and I don't imagine they're the greatest side in the world, but they're further weakened, we see what it done to us, you know, where you can't put out your top guys, then if we put in the right effort, then I see us winning the game. Don't expect it to be easy. Everybody will come and do their best, but we should be able to overcome Slavia Prague. We've got a couple of people agreeing with you actually, Stevie. Uh, Niz on YouTube reckons it'll be 2 0, uh, as does one of our uh, viewers on Facebook, 2 0 Celtic, hail, hail. And Scott Graham, who's commenting on YouTube, welcome to the show, Scott. Afternoon at 2 0 tonight. Robert Arbuckle think 3 1 Celtic, same team as Sunday. Um, I think what I've said is the changes I would make, and I take your, your back ass point on board actually, Stevie, and I think. Um, you know, Bain might take that as a slap in the face, but it would certainly give Barkas a bit of confidence, wouldn't it, if, if you started with him tonight? I, 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 I'm saying I would start with Barkas. If you're asking me who will start the game tonight, I think it would be Neil Lennon or Scott Bain. Yeah, going by his comments yesterday, it would appear that uh, Bain will start the game. The other change I would make is if Ayers fit for me, he, he starts, but I'm not quite sure because he wasn't, he wasn't asked about Ayers fitness, although he was asked about Julian Forrest and Mikey Johnson. I mean, Julian and Forrest, two guys who would be picked every single game, Stevie. Um, I think people are, there's an added uh, appreciation of James Forrest now that he's out of the team. Definitely, he's became somebody that's on, we, we miss him so greatly when he played the poor guy, gets slaughtered every week by vast amounts of Celtic fans. Now he's no there, or how much we miss him. It just shows you how fickle we can be sometimes. We can be, we can be, Stevie. And um, the thing, the thing with the Axon Bulletin, I guess, also is uh, it's every day. So your view when things aren't going so well uh, might change if things start to pick up. So over the last couple of games, I think we've been pretty positive. Well, one of my th- things is, and it's just how you can be portrayed by the Celtic fan, whether you're liked, and I don't mean dislike. Dislike's too strong a word. Is a difference between Tom Rogic and Olivia and Cham. Yeah. Everybody likes Tom Rogic. Tom Rogic was dying to get out of Celtic Park. The deal fell through that he'd manufactured and he's welcomed back with open arms. The reports and the innuendos was that in Sham wants away, if he's a bad game, oh he wants away, he's agitating for a move, we need to get rid of him. Two guys in the exact same position. One's allegedly and one's fact. But Tom Rogic's except back open arms because we all love Tom. See, I find that really interesting as well. The psychology of that, Stevie. Um, it's quite baffling. I even heard Kevin the other day call him Tam. Tam. <laughs> so you see, he was embracing him even more. Oh, Tam. <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. Um, but Kevin's got his own vocabulary for Celtic players, Stevie. We know that by now. And that's just uh, a wee dig to Kev. He'll be in tonight. He'll be in covering the game this evening. It'll be good to see him. Uh, Sean McCrory, 8. Get the win tonight. We'll be back-to-back wins and get some momentum really going again. I think... When uh, I look at the, the fixtures coming up, Stevie, it's going to be interesting to see how Milan and Lille um, fit this evening because for me it was quite difficult. Milan are probably the better side. Um, however, I, I, I don't underestimate Lille at all. And I, I've said a couple of times, I think our 2-2 draw away from home against Lille will actually improve with age. I think when we look back on that result at the end of the season... Um, we'll realise just how good a result it was against a very strong French side. I watched them on Sunday night playing Lyon. Uh, they were very, very good, very pacey. Lyon went down to 10 men after about 60 minutes and they peppered their goal, but just didn't have the killer instinct. But they were a very, very good side and dominated the game. For us, it was Musa come on with about 10 minutes to go and 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. If ever go to any business who's going to try and get him in London in January. Anyone with a budget, Stevie, uh, marrying up Dembele and Eduard for me uh, would be only a winner. I think uh, we got tiny wee kind of sparks, wee signs that that was a partnership to behold. We didn't see it long enough at Celtic, you know. It's one of these things, like I've mentioned as well, when Belgium were playing England in a friendly last month, you're looking at uh, the world's best nation, the number one ranked team in the world. Um, incidentally managed by Martinez and Maloney <laughs> and the, the two centre-halves are Denier and Boyata they both you know? of them are great players for Celtic yeah I thought but so Boyata fell out of favour obviously because he's antics before the game but very very good player when he came back from the World Cup you know and he, he looked a really really accomplished player for us good, good players good players you don't get to be the Belgian partnership if you're not any good absolutely not now Jim Cooper comes in to say £35 million for Eddie isn't a real expectation. Nobody outside Scotland has heard of him. Now, these are these are things that, listen, I'll discuss that, no problem at all. I think what you start doing, Stevie, is you use a benchmark uh, with Scottish football transfers or transfers from Celtic. And the benchmark at the moment is Kieran Tierney at £25 million quid going down to Arsenal. Now, what has changed, obviously, is the financial situation and global sport, not just football. Um, so there, there's going to be a hit. I mean, so I think some of the, the, the figures that I've seen in the press, etc., were, were were elevated. I've seen £40 million. I don't think any footballer in the, the near future is going to be leaving Scottish football for a figure around the £40 million mark, or even 35 Jim, to be fair. But Edward does have a high value. And if you use £25 million as a benchmark with Kieran Tierney, uh, you add to that the international performances, because people are looking at as they were with Dembele with the, Fra- the France under-21 side, Stevie, they're looking at Edouard's goal-scoring record with the international team. Um, and again, I don't want to think about Edouard leaving Celtic, particularly in January. And I know that finances will dictate that, Stevie. But he certainly does have a value. And um, is the value more than, than Kieran Tierney's value when he went to Arsenal? I, I would, the, the I would co- argue the, yes. The Covid's going to have an effect on all the transfer values. They say... Going back to Jack Grealish, James Madison, mm-hmm. having to stay with the clubs and re-sign. So it's got an effect. What would Edward be worth now? Probably less than what we'd have had if he didn't have COVID. But to counter Jim's point there, who's ever heard of Marley Watkins? You know, excess of 30 million quid. Yep. If you ask me who would I have, Edward or Marley Watkins, it's Edward 10 times out of 10. You know, no caps. Nothing. No. Champions League goals. No. So, I, I think we shouldn't undersell ourselves either. You know, I don't think the values that we were expecting pre-COVID we would actually get previous. And I don't think Celtic will sell anybody in January unless Neil Lennon wants to bring somebody in and replace his like for like. You're right. I think Tam Roderick's value's gone up though. <laughs> <laughs> From four million. Uh, Joseph Jacks going against Hamilton and St Mirren doesn't make you a world class player. Of course it doesn't. I mean. This is the thing with Scottish football, and we've been battling uh, this kind of uh, view on Scottish football since year dot, Stevie, but that's when the European stage and the international stage uh, becomes important for for Celtics, you know, to, to sell on. And we've seen players being sold on for big transfer fees. We've seen it over a period of years, going right back to Aidan McGeady, uh, right up to, uh, you know, our latest sale. What was our latest sale? Kieran Tierney, 25 million. So, We've seen a number of them, be that Dembele, Foster, even, you know, uh, Ki Sung Young went for a good fee. and uh, Wanyama. Van Dijk, you know, these players have gone for big money. So Celtic can command that. And I think there's always the caveat that, yes, the domestic game isn't as strong as it is down south. We all know that. But um, if you perform in Europe, if you perform in an international stage, then the value goes up. I don't think anybody's claiming that these guys are world stars. I think they're claiming they're very good footballers. You know, yep. and if you take it, the probably our position is the English Premier League, but maybe Championship. The guys for the Championship are going for some amount of money. You know, if you're going to get transferred to the English Championship to a Premier League team for thirty million pound, 
is it a higher standard than where we are? Is our guys with all these proven international caps at under 21 record goal scorers? I would think a scout would look at that more favourably than a guy that's coming from Brentford. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, Stevie, this is the thing. I don't, I don't know any real uh, Scottish football fans who is under any illusions about the the value or the quality even of our game. I think what I like about Scottish football, and it's something Johnny Owen uh, mentioned just the other week there when we interviewed him for the the Three Kings documentary, was it's still got a you know a realness about it. It's got something that people fell in love with football for. You watch football now, it's almost like box office wrestling. It's like WWF wrestling, the way that they they dress it up. But the actual product isn't as good as they make it look and the way that they market it. At least when you watch Scottish football, it's real. And I think when you you fell in love with football, it was for all these aspects that Scottish football still has. Sorry for interrupting there, but see if these guys who come here and they're so good, how did they know run amok? We've had loads of guys who became with glowing reputations and really struggled. Yep. So can it be that bad? You know, maybe the standard isn't as high as what it was 30 years ago, but it's a difficult league to play in. Oh, so, absolutely. So, so if you can play, stand out on a regular basis, get nines and tens every week, you know, your performance, you're a good, good player. Mm-hmm. Because some of the, the guys that you come up against are going to give you a hard, hard time. Well, one example of that is a player that we've spoken about already, uh, Jerry Jarazic, who I think spent about 18 months at Celtic, and he was speaking about not only Neil Lennon's uh, management style or leadership qualities, uh, he was speaking about the Scottish game. And and the way he was speaking, it was almost as if the midfield bypassed them. Now, this is a player that we bought from Chelsea, international footballer, Stevie. He was on massive wages when he came to Celtic. Was he a flop? I wouldn't maybe go as far to say that, but he certainly didn't run amok, did he? No, definitely And there's many others like him. I, I think the the standard when you look at it, and I, I've heard you saying you Paul you don't watch many games. I, I watch football every single night of the week, and a lot of them is from the English Premier League. And even when some of the top teams are playing, it's not very good. I, I watched Liverpool playing Atalanta the other night, and I always liked watching Atalanta. I was bemused by their performance. Mm-hmm. They were trying to play a high high line against a fantastic pacey. No challenges. Not one yellow card. Your team's been beat 5 nothing at home and they didn't put in one wee nasty challenge in the whole game. And I thought, this can't be Italian football. You know, and it wasn't a Liverpool at full strength. You know, it's incredible. So, when Scottish football is probably not its peak just now, but we've still got a competitive league, a competitive product. I think so, and I think I actually think we undersell it, Stevie. Um, a lot of the time, I mean, obviously the, the fans in Scotland are the life's blood of the game which isn't the case in a lot of these big leagues because the big leagues are, are actually relying on things out with the turnstiles ticking along you know and that that I think is something we should be proud of as football fans um, there's a wee message on here about uh, Rock Talk before I, I bring it to your attention Stevie every time you talk about it you mention that you have a role in sausage now I'm about a year vegetarian you realise that <laughs> and uh, people ask me all the time you know, do you never fancy a bacon sandwich every time you see a roll sausage that's when I start you know salivating and thinking about the, the good old days straight, straight, straight from our sponsor Donnie the Butcher <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Smith um, has joined us on YouTube if it wasn't for Rock Talk and the football at the Rock God knows where I'd be that's I, testament to you. I, I know we are doing well, and Andy's what, what, one of the guys. Andy's a real success story for Rock Talk. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that. But even the, when the Lock Talk or the the lockdown came in, and Andy appeared, the group was all there, and Andy was isolated. You know, he was standing away. And even one Sunday, we'd brought in a big container. The guys were there with the jet wash, and they were taking all the rough paint off. And they were having good fun. And I says to Andy, "Go and join in," and he couldn't get to join in, and then. As it progressed and he came, he became an integral part of the group. You know, then he would go and help Terry Conley, who's been great for us, to do the painting. Then Andy would get the painting if Terry wasn't there. They were up at 8 o'clock in the morning. They were only getting home at 4.30. So it's a testimony to Andy's self, how far he's came and how much he's improved and how much he's helped the club. Brilliant. And and great for sharing that with us as well, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. Um, testament to you and everybody doing it at The Rock as well, Stevie. Brilliant. Brilliant work you're doing. Red Scotland, uh, I want to thank you actually for your message yesterday. You were telling me um, all about the lurkers who are coming in and lowering the tone of the broadcast, which is there for Celtic fans like yourself. 
Um, as I was saying earlier, we do have somebody who will be monitoring that live as of Monday. So, slowly but surely, we'll weed them out, Stevie, and it'll just be... Um, we can just all argue amongst ourselves, which is what we were doing a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Red Scotland states via YouTube, Edward is among the best performers in the France under-21 side. I think he's got a record, is he not, for the, the goals that he's scored against the games that he's played. Um, only top players have that accolade, and that comes with a price tag. Absolutely agree with that, 100%. And you look at how Dembele, the progression of Dembele coming to Celtic, Stevie, and I know we got him... Uh, probably a lot cheaper than than we should have done. I mean, I think there was a six million quid bid from Spurs maybe eight or nine months before we picked him up for half a million. Um, but he uses Celtic as a platform. We all know that, despite the fact that his Twitter account uh, obviously bigs him up as a big Celtic fan. I don't think he's got access to his Twitter account. And then he goes to Leon for big money. And a lot of that was down to his Champions League performances, I would guess, as well as his performances for the under-21s side as well now would you argue that maybe Eddie hasn't done it at the top level in Europe yet I, I just love his arrogance I love his arrogance that plucking the ball at the air you know facing up to three and four guys and going I've got the skill to beat you mm. you know certainly doesn't come off all the time but to have that arrogance and confidence in your own ability you've got to be a player I, I, I love guys going to do something a wee bit different instead of conforming pass pass sideway back Go and have a wee go, do something different, and you'll create an opportunity. Uh, I, I, I love him. I think he's a great player. What I love about that um, self-belief, Steve, is without that, when Lustig plays that header to you in a Scottish Cup final and you're one-on-one with a goalie, without that self-belief, you you can't keep that composure and put that ball away the way Eddie did. So people see arrogance sometimes as a bad thing. Sometimes I think you need it. No, no in footballers, it's not a bad thing in footballers. If you don't have that confidence... Even if you're very talented and you're withdrawn, you won't get to the peak of where your ability should take you. You need that wee bit of self-confidence, bordering on arrogance, that's going to take you by people maybe of a equal ability. Mm, absolutely. Now, Michael the Boy, you're commenting via Twitter. Welcome to the show, Michael. Uh, league is crucial this season, as Stevie says, as big decisions will be made next season. Now, this is something I spoke to Kevin about on Monday and then I asked... Uh, Lawrence and Colin during the week as well, Stevie. Um, I take nothing for granted when it comes to the fact that we're in a, another Scottish Cup final. Brilliant achievement. I'm delighted. I'm absolutely uh, over the moon that uh, we were able to go out there and convincingly beat Aberdeen 2 nothing. I think it was a convincing win. Now, we're 90 minutes away from a, quadru- uh, a quadruple treble, which is astonishing. I mean... Will we even realise, I'm not taking it for granted, will we even realise how big that is until years later when we're looking back on it? I don't know. So we're we're now looking at this season, we're 90 minutes away from that incredible accolade. We're going for 10 in a row. And what I've said to all the guests this week, Stevie, is if we get those two things, if we win the Scottish Cup to clinch the quadruple treble and we win 10 in a row, I'm satisfied. Now, I've said in the past I want to win everything. And I still I stand by that. I think Celtic should always have that man- mentality, the Jockstein mentality, we don't play friendlies, even testimonial games, Stevie, we want to win them. I've always had that mentality when it comes to Celtic, even when we were really poor. It wasn't good enough, it wasn't acceptable. So, what do you think is realistically, what would you be happy with this season? It's unprecedented dominance of Scottish football, and it's absolutely brilliant to be living through this. You're in the final, you need to go and take care of the final, which would give the quadruple treble. The the 10 in a row league title is the most important thing. If you're in a great position to do that, the other cup competitions, whether it's the League Cup or the Scottish Cup, can filter into that. But if you don't get 10 in a row and you were to win the other two cup competitions, the season's a failure. I don't think we would be able to continue the business model during covid Going into next year, if we don't get 10 in a row, I think it's absolutely vital for us to push on and continue where we are. Probably, I would go along the same as yourself, Paul. But in the final, it's got to for the quadruple treble. Let's take care of that as a final mm-hmm. and concentrate on 10 in a row. If the other two cup competitions to come along and you go for five trebles in a row, absolutely fantastic. But there will become a time when you'll lose a cup competition. And for me, it wouldn't be the end of the world. 
but no one in ten in a row, I think, could have real serious consequences for Celtic Football Club. Well, this is my big concern as well. You know, as you say, everything's geared towards that. It's geared towards where that takes you the following season as well, in terms of the potential for Champions League riches, Stevie, and the marketing. You, you can never underestimate that. Again, for a club like Celtic, it's a huge part of uh, the annual uh, turnover. So, absolutely agree with you. That is a priority. With that in mind, when we approach the League Cup, Scottish Cup, something I would never suggest previously, but under the circumstances... Would you try and maybe bleed in some of the players who are on the fringes of the side? I mean, I don't mean go out gung-ho with a loving, untried youngsters, but uh, you see it in the English game. You've seen it for a long time, actually, down there, particularly with the League Cup. Do you, do you bring in five or six guys who are not getting game time, ordinarily? I think it's, it's a difficult situation. I think probably Neil and his backroom staff would have more of an idea than what we would. But if we've got... 20, what is it, 26 first team players, then surely we could make up an 11. You're no bringing in youth players, you're no bringing in reserves, you're bringing guys who are members of the first team squad. Would, or how do I say this, would I rather lose a cup tie with these guys playing than my normal 11? Probably. Mm-hmm. You know, because then the only person that would take flack over that, and it's a shame, would be the manager, because he's a guy who's lost the five trebles in a row but as a club I it would be great to win it get me ten and a quadruple I'm more than happy I'll be happy with that Stevie let me tell you um, I don't ask for much <laughs> now on Facebook brilliant me post on Facebook now unfortunately I don't know who it is because there is a, a registration process if you're on Facebook so that I can see your picture and, and your name so welcome to the show Celtic were founded on a political issue feeding hungry people nothing has changed if it had, Marcus Rashford wouldn't be doing what he is. We have a duty to be political. I agree with every word of that. Every single word of it, Stevie. But that's what I'm saying. That comes from within the fan base. Mm-hmm. That's our beliefs. The majority, not everybody can be tired because we've got to accept everybody with different beliefs from us. But I would imagine the majority of our fans all have those beliefs and the, the will to help other people less fortunate than ourselves. So it's got to come from within. And if we manifest ourselves into different groups, different stages, then we can help all these people. We can't take over the role of government. God willing, we could. But we, we can do our best. And I think sort of the things... The Green Brigade probably lead most of them. Then they're all for the good. We spoke about Marcus Rashford last week on another podcast, Stevie. Just another wee word for that. Young man, we look at modern football, sometimes it disgusts you, you know, with the money and, and uh, some of the antics of players. There's been some headlines in the press this week even that disgust you, you know, in terms of the, the modern footballer, this elite um, kind of nature of the game that probably didn't exist back in the day, you know, where there was always a disparity in terms of wages, but it's got so big that they're almost superstars and all this kind of stuff. All of a sudden, Marcus Rashford uses that platform for good. Absolutely astonishing young man. He's doing very well. I think it would be remiss if we don't mention guys like Didier Drogby, Craig Bellamy, who all have their own foundations, Mm -hmm. helping people. Marcus Rashford stepped up to the plate during the pandemic to feed kids, you know, I remember seeing George Galloway, who's no everybody's favourite politician at the moment, speaking on the Tam Cowan show. Remember, he used to do the thing the Monday night was it off the ball or something. Yeah, and he says, "Hey, we could prime minister of Scotland, the first minister. What would your thing be?" So they're waiting for a witty, politicised thing. Maybe make sure every school child gets a hot meal every day of the year. Yep. You know, so Marcus Rashford is now taking this to a different level, and God bless him for doing it. Oh, definitely. Now, Francie Dobelliu, who comes on the show regularly. Welcome back, Francie. You're commenting on YouTube. Just a wee aside from tonight's game, gents. If we win the 10, if, because nobody's taking it for granted, Steve, it's going to be a tough one. Does Lenny hang up the gaffer's jacket and retire a club legend? I think there's going to be a lot of changes. If and when we win the 10 in a row, I think there'll be a, a completely different outlook on, let's say, the next five to 10 years at Celtic Football Club. Not only due to the fact that we've we've reached that milestone, Stevie, but also everything else that's happening in terms of the financial impact to COVID. But would this be the end of the five-year plan at the end of this year? With a couple of years after, after Brendan 
but for the next wee bit of Neil, so would this be the second five for the first five, and this is the second one? Usually, businesses of that size have a five year plan. Yeah. If you get to the end of this and he wins a 10, I would think you would just need to ask him what he wanted to do. I don't think you could replace him. I think he would have to make that decision. I've had enough and I want to go away with legendary status. You know the big thing um, around some of the discussions uh, we had in relation to Neil Lennon over the last few weeks, Stevie, was um, whether or not it was his team. And obviously we know under the circumstances he didn't assemble the the coaching team uh, that he's working with. And obviously Damien Duff leaves, you then expect perhaps Lenny to have a say in the man who comes in and Gavin Strachan. I think what would be important, personally, is... And I do like the continuity of having that boot room mentality. I do like that. You know, going right back to the boot room of Jock Steen, with Neely Mockin and Sean Fallon and, you know, even Jimmy Steele, the masseur, uh, Bob Rooney. I like the that mentality, the boot room mentality, but at the same time, you've got to have a coaching team that you can work with. I mean, you look at... You mentioned Martin O'Neill a couple of times, John Robertson, Stevie Walford. It was a team rather than the individual, wasn't it? You go back to Brian Clough, um, you know, even Steen himself. I think it's important, even in the modern day, for you to assemble your own coaching team. I read last week that Neil Lennon chose to bring in Gavin Strachan as opposed to bringing Henrik Larson back. The coaching staff that was there, Damien Duff's left, John Kendall was there. They allowed Neil Lennon to win everything. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a problem last year. We have a few bad results and it's a real problem this year. The guys that Neil Lennon worked previously with Celtic, everybody should know and be aware they ain't ever coming back to Celtic and they shouldn't be back. No. You know, that wasn't the right culture and the right people to be involved at Celtic Football Club at that level of management. You're right. And I mean, see when you look at the um, incoming management team um, of Ronnie Dyla, John Collins. And we know how that, that happened. You know, you've got Ronnie Dyla there who is a forward-thinking young coach in Norway, comes to the attention of Man City who are interested in employing him as the head of their academy. There is dialogue between Celtic and Man City. We're going to make him the number two to Roy Keane. Roy Keane says he doesn't want a job when everybody expected him to take it. Dyla gets a job, John Collins is his number two. I was saying during the week there, Stevie, um, and it's taken me a while to come to this conclusion, but I actually think, and this might not be very popular, I think Ro- Ronnie should have remained the number two, and I think we should have given Collins the management's job because he would have been able to take the pressure because he's got the ego, he's been successful by winning a trophy in Scotland, and by the way, in name alone, I would have, I would not have put Ronnie Dyla in that position. Let him go away and do what he was good at, but put all the focus in the limelight on Collins and I think that was a mistake he just wasn't universally popular was John Collins was he as a manager even a Bernie and the players didn't like him you know again this is what you have to do and because of the way he was a great professional yeah absolutely installing that with him and Ronnie was probably a, a job too hard you know and but they were undermined for the minute they started by some of the senior pros it was really unfortunate was he a failure, Ronnie Dillier? Certainly not. No. Certainly no. not. He, he continued to run. Probably what you're saying might have worked better of John Collins, but John wasn't universally accepted by the Celtic players because the standards that him and Ronnie were trying to introduce, the guys didn't want it. Culture change, it. wasn't it? Ah, it was, how can you not want to be the best that you can be at that level? I know, and it is sometimes really, really fine margins. So Ronnie Dyla wanted to introduce what he called the 24-hour athlete, Stevie, and that came down to conditioning, diet, mentality. All of these things that uh, I think many of them were probably what uh, Brennan Rogers implemented as well, but I think he ruled differently from Ronnie. Uh, obviously, if if you didn't uh, go with the culture and be part of that culture, you weren't at the club. Everyone went out the door apart from Scott Brown. Scott Brown. You know, yep. you know, and even sometimes now, oh, we could still be doing me bringing some of these guys back. No one on winter Sundays would you want to bring them back. They disrupted a club, you know, where they nearly got a decent guy's job who was cheated out a treble. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't speak very fondly of him, but he was cheated out a treble by a referee and a match officials. Well, when Ronnie was on this show and he was still managing in Norway at the time, 
he agreed he'd be back for the 10 in a row party, Stevie. <laughs> so he, the invite, obviously, is still there from a, a hell of a lot of Celtic fans who still look back fondly. And Ron, I think his, his legacy is always going to be Kieran Tierney, Callum McGregor, Chris Ayer, Ryan Christie. He gave them all their debuts for Celtic. There's his legacy. A thoroughly decent man, you know, who came to be interviewed for the number two position and get elevated to be the manager of Celtic. Now, he cannot back that opportunity. Hindsight, was it the right thing to do? I think he might have still been at Celtic if he'd have been brought in in that position, mm-hmm. the number two. Yeah. You know, yep. because he's obviously got something in the coaching. Manager of Celtic comes with so many added pressures and sidebars to it that maybe he just wasn't at that level at that time. No, you're right, you're right. Now, this is a great response from Jungle Lion. I've got to read this one out on Twitter. Um, and this is in response to not being world-class if you're scoring goals against Hamilton and St Mirren doesn't make you world-class. Defending against St Mirren and Hamilton doesn't make you world-class, Virgil van Dijk. Enough said. I think he proved the point, did he not? Big Virgil's done okay. No, he's done a great job. Again, I think Virgil van Dijk's improved since he left Celtic. You know, going down to that and playing in that environment, changing his lifestyle. You know, he had all the tools here, but he didn't apply them all the time. I think he's now applying them to his professional career. I think so. And again, going back to the Ronnie Dale interview, uh, which is on the archive if you want to catch up on iTunes, Spreaker, YouTube. Very interesting. He did speak about Virgil van Dijk and he said that, you know, in order for him to take his talent to another level, Stevie, he had to change a lot of his lifestyle choices as well. And he reckons he only done that when he left Celtic. Again, you're held to, to higher standards when you go to different places. Our club went to a different level when Brendan Rodgers was in there. Mm-hmm. Everybody had to go to his level. And if you didn't adhere to the levels, you were no good to him. You know, that's why so many guys left and so many good professionals came in to help us. Because if you didn't go with what he wanted, and again, that sometimes didn't fit in with the hierarchy of the club because they wanted a wee say. But there was one man in charge and you knew who it was. Oh, definitely. Absolutely, Stevie. Now, one last thing to discuss today is uh, the inclusion of Lee Griffiths in the Scottish international squad for the forthcoming three matches. Um, incidentally, Ireland are also playing three matches. That's for Kevin Graham, who thought that Shane Duffy was going to get a wee rest. I'm not having a dig at Kevin too much today, am I? Not That's twice. Not at all. He can get me back the night. Um, I think when you're looking at the beginning of the season, Stevie, and we've followed Lee Griffiths all season uh, because we were, you know, shouting for him to get back in the squad for long enough, him and Tam Rogic. Um, this is almost like, you know, the final part of the Lee Griffiths jigsaw this season, I think, even though he's not consistently playing for Celtic, he's picked again for Scotland. I think Scotland need him up front. Well done, Lee Griffiths. Brilliant for Lee Griffiths. Again, as a Celtic fan, I'm a Glaswegian more than a Scotsman. I would hope all our players pick up a wee niggling injury on Sunday and none of them go anywhere with Scotland. So that when we come back, our guys will be COVID-free, will be injury-free, and we push on for 10 in a row. The Scotland thing, it doesn't really carry any weight with me or any great favour. You know, I was actually talking about it yesterday, Stevie, and I said, if I was an international footballer, so it was a big stretch, you know, it really was. Um, I wouldn't be playing international football during this time. If I was, you know, with young kids, I wouldn't be putting anybody at risk and people might say, oh, kids don't get affected. You know, there's been cases where they are. Um, I wouldn't be putting myself at risk or my family at risk if I was an international footballer. And it would appear that the only way you could get out of that is by retiring from the international game. But who has a duty of care to the players Exactly. Does the SFA has a duty of care because they're under their guidance when they leave Celtic Park to go play for Scotland. So how do they protect their players? Because according to Ryan Christie, he adhered to every protocol that was put in place. Mm-hmm. The doctor told him it was okay, then we lose Ryan Christie for 14 days. So who takes responsibility? Do we get compensated for that? Because he's our player, we play him, and he can't play for our games because of something that happened in international duty. Now, it's not an injury that happened during the game, because that can happen. It wasn't an injury that happened during training, because that can happen. That was somebody who gave him wrong advice. Mm-hmm. Now, if that's a guy who's a Scotland doctor giving wrong advice, I'm not sending my player to work under him again. No, no, absolutely. And this this is the, the issues, I think, that it's creating, because... Robert Arbuckle mentions on on Facebook, why can't Celtic just pull all players from international squads? Because if you do that, 
then they can implement this ruling, Stevie, whereby, and I, I don't know if they would, uh, you would then miss your next game. And I think that the biggest issue that we've got at the moment is that the club have a bit of a power over the, sorry, the country has the, the power, or the authorities have their power over the club. And it would appear to me that the only way you could get out of it is if the, the players themselves said, right, I retire from international football. Now, whenever this uh, this uh, horrific pandemic clears um, and football then can be enjoyed without that added concern, would they understand? Would the, the manager at that, at that stage, would the authorities allow you to play again? I don't know. But I would be all about, as you say, a duty to carry myself and my family. But, but you're getting into these hotspots of COVID. Yep. You know, so how are you going to be able to protect everybody all of the time when you're away? If you turn up for Scotland and you're going to be doing any travelling, you're not travelling in a private plane. So you've got to go through the airport system. You've got to go through the airplane system. Then you've got to come out and get the transport through the airport destination you arrive at. Then go to a hotel and be mixing with other people in a hotel. When you're in Scotland, you're in your own wee bubble. You're exposing that to other people. Mm-hmm. Understand that if you don't turn up, and I'm sure the Scottish Football Association would hammer us if we didn't send our players, but how can anybody tell you you're no so unfit to play? Yeah, exactly. You're absolutely right. And I just hope we come out of the, the next international break without the absences that we experienced the last time, Stevie. We've got a couple of games to look forward to before then. Tonight, uh, obviously, we're back in Europe, and then on Sunday... Uh, Motherwell, would you expect a few changes on on Sunday? I think uh, people my, are crying out for Turnbull to get a game. My, my line-up tonight is partially based on going to Motherwell, a very early kick-off on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, for me, I'd love to win tonight, but I would much rather win on Sunday. You know, so we, we contain that, that momentum going into the international break. I think we're certainly good enough to beat Motherwell. Again, it's down to fitness and guys who want to turn up. You can spread the team about a wee bit tonight. You know, use your substitutes wisely. Mm-hmm. You know, and then be ready for Sunday. Well, I hope that happens because if there was a criticism against Lille and it was a, an excellent performance, I think obviously you know Ayers' um, injury was a big part in the fact that we lost two goals. Um, it was just the, the lateness of the substitutes. You know, you're, you're making three subs. It was Eduard, Chris, no Eduard, sorry, um, Cham, Christian Brown, I think 81 minutes. Probably would have been better 20 minutes earlier. But for tonight's game against Sparta Prague, we will be uh, live 30 minutes before kickoff. We'll be back at half time and at full time. So please join us. Thank you all for getting involved today. But all that's left for me to say is Stevie. Stevie Mullen, thank you again for joining me on a Celtic statement. Thanks for having me, Paul. Pleasure. Thank you. audio company iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.